Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's sermon by Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, we're going to celebrate 4th of July tomorrow. It's a huge celebration. But you know, for the Christian, uh, it just is of double importance because we've been uh, not only free as a nation, but our freedom that we walk in each and every day. So uh, 4th of July for the Christian is a huge celebration. And wherever you go and whatever you do tomorrow, make sure you remember uh, and are grateful, not only to the ones who paid a price for our physical freedom, but for the Lord Jesus who paid a price for our spiritual freedom. You know, in spite of all the bad news, just good things are happening. Just good things are happening. Uh, We're still rejoicing over the Supreme Court righting a wrong for all of those years. Uh, Still, I mean, just rejoicing. Just this week, Josh mentioned 110 students right here in this day and time getting a biblical understanding of their worldview and the perspective that we have in life. Uh, Monday, 60 women right here in a women's Bible study. Wednesday night, uh, a building full of children, a building full of junior high. I mean, just this week, the impact that this church has had. And uh, as Josh did say, I, I just, I wanna say thank you. Thank you to, for making that happen. You, you know, we can't do this without you being here and sitting here. Uh, you have to, well, I don't do anything, just come and sit. Well, you enable us to do all that we're doing. And so don't underestimate what you do when you are a part of this church. You help keep this thing going. And, and we're grateful because this church is all after, all after uh, doing something about the direction that we're going. We're grateful to you. I'm, I'm just grateful this morning. I, my heart is grateful. Uh, here just some time ago, I, don't, I didn't even know, but one of our staff said, do you know it takes 22 people for us to have church? And I thought, wow, I can remember walking in, turning on the air myself and turning on the sound system and myself and doing it all and then shutting it back down. It takes 22 people. Uh, those words didn't just get on the screen. That video just didn't pop up there. Uh, you know, it, it just all, all these lights and all this is happening to enhance our worship. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that makes this church possible. Thank you. We'll turn to Genesis chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 7. In Genesis chapter 1, we read God's creation. In Genesis chapter 2, the creation of man and God's instructions and warning to mankind. In chapter 3, verse 1 through 10 of Genesis, we see the entrance of sin and the consequences of going against God's will. When we get down into verse 8 through 11... After sin enters, God, God calls to Adam and says, where are you? And that's a very interesting question. It's a very interesting question from God. Like, you know, the, the man who created all of this, who sees the beginning from the end, who is omnipresent, all-knowing, and, and now he's losing at hiding-seek. I can't find you. Where are you? Come out. Hello, wherever you are, come out. I mean, God's not losing at hide and seek, church. Obviously, he wants us to know where we are. I know where you are, and I know what's going on in your life. I want you to identify where you are. 
Where are you? Today, God's asking, where are you? Where are you? You know, we, we, it's, this situation happens every day. It happens all the time. It just now happened. We were in here, and you're in here worshiping, and, and the lights and the haze, and we're starting to worship, and, and you feel God's presence. I mean, you sense God walking by, and I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, I better text somebody. Uh, you know, right here, you can be hiding from God. See, here comes God. Here comes God. I got to go somewhere. I got to talk to somebody. I got to tell my, the guy sitting beside me. I got to tell them something. You know, we can be right here in church and be hiding from God. I may be hiding right now. It's always interesting. You know how I'm, I monitor the people getting up and going to the bathroom. I monitor that very closely. But it's really interesting to me when they do. But you watch when the spirit of God starts moving, folks have to go to the bathroom. When, when, I, when I start getting to the point of the sermon where I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I got, I, got, I got to go. I got to go. So where are you? Where are you? Now, we've talked a lot about this question. We've talked a whole lot about this question, where are you? And I think for the most part, the church has dealt with this question because we want people delivered from their sin. We want folks to confess their sin, come to God. And, and, and I think we've dealt with this question, where are you? But too often, we've left folks right there and we've never gone to the second question. What a vital aspect this is in life when God is asking this question. And Josh was up here preaching a few weeks ago and he mentioned this and it exploded in me and I couldn't think about anything else and hadn't been able to for several weeks now. I just couldn't wait to get my turn to preach. The church, we got to get this. We got to get this. Verse 11, who told you that? Who told you that? Now, when we've got the second question that God ever asked mankind, we better get a hold of this question. The title today is, who told you that? Who told you that? God created mankind. We're supposed to live in the garden, walking and talking with God, tending the garden, walking and talking in the cool of the day with God. And, and mankind thought he could improve on that. So we entered into stress and worry and fear and all kind of stuff because we thought we could do better than we had it with God. That seed, that sin nature is passed down from Adam to all mankind. And now we have that serpent still today. And, and I want to make sure that you understand this is not a far-fetched, well, I don't know, did he talk out of a snake? I don't know if I buy that. No, don't even act like that. You're all the time inundated with thoughts of doubting God, doubting God's goodness, accusing God of what he didn't do or what he should. This conversation happens pretty much on the hour with each one of us as we're, well, where was God when he let this happen? Why was God? Well, if God wanted your good, then why did he say you can't? Do? This conversation happens all the time. Now, I don't know if it's coming out of a snake sitting there on your front porch. Probably not because you would do like my wife does, scream. Then I would come with a hoe and take care of the serpent. That's kind of how we do it. The hoe was right there. Why didn't you take care of that? Ah! So he probably doesn't come to talk to you as a, as a serpent because you would scream and you'd get a hoe and go after him. But he probably talks to you through your best friend or to your countless posts on Facebook. 
That's probably where he talks to you the most, through, through social media, through questioning God, doubting God, questioning his motives. I mean, you just read down through there, and this conversation is happening by the gazillions all day long out here in social media. The question God is asking us is, who told you that? Who told you that? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who, who, wait a minute, you got, God knows. So he's not, this isn't a question for God. God wants you to ask yourself, who told me that? You know, as we study the word, we see the devil at one time was in heaven. One time living with God. He says the most glorious array of all angelic beings. But he let sin in his heart. He rebelled against God and he was kicked out of school. I mean, kicked out of heaven. So what, excuse me, now he's full of anger, he's full of rage, brought on all by himself. God didn't want any of that. This was all self-induced and now he's telling you bad things about where he used to live. Hello. Who told you that? Okay, whoa, 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 who told you that? Church, we gotta ask ourselves daily. Well, well, who told you this? As I think about this, I got to ask myself, as I think about this, as I think this thought, whatever thought is, I have to ask, whatever thought you're thinking, the next thing you ask yourself, who told me that? Who told me that? Okay, who told me that? Say when you came to this church, oh man, well, I was love this church, greatest church in the world. Okay, not long. Pastor's motive's evil, pastor's out to get you. Church bad, play. who told you that? Okay, who told you that? I mean, you started a job. You loved this job. You loved working at this job. You loved it. Then after a while, you quit. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who told you your boss is using you? Who told you you're unappreciated? Who told you you're underpaid? He's paying you what y'all agreed to get paid when you took the job. Now you're underpaid, you're not appreciated, he's using you, he's getting over on you. Who told you that? Could it have been somebody that used to work there and still bitter about the, uh, You know, you started the school, boy, you just loved the school and you loved the teachers, you loved your coach. Oh my, I just love, I just love my coach. Now the coach is a bad man, he's about to hurt you and he's using you and all he wants is his win-loss record. He doesn't care anything about you, he just wants to, okay, who, t- who told you that? Come on, okay, I hear all that mess you're saying to me. Who told you that? Church, this is a great life we're living. We're blessed. I mean, the seasons here, the colors here, the mountains, our streams. I mean, we're enjoying a wonderful life. How many golf courses are there in a short driving distance? I mean, it doesn't get any better for the golfers. The lakes, the boating, the four-wheelers, the friends. You can go hunting. You can go fishing. You can play tennis. And now you can play pickleball. It's sweeping the country. It's the greatest. I don't, I've never seen it. Don't know anything about pickleball. But apparently it's just the best there is in life. And everybody in the village is playing it. And you need to go see this. So I don't, we got pickleball here. I mean, are you kidding me? We got all the food we want. We got air conditioned. We got a good life. And you're depressed. No one likes me. I don't feel bad. Who told you that? 
But, but where did you get that? Who told you that? I'm ugly. I'm unwanted. I'm un. Who told you that? Come on, right here in Genesis 3, chapter 11 tells us how to live our life. Question today for all of us. You got thoughts about yourself. You got thoughts about other people. You got thoughts about the situation. I'm asking you to ask yourself, where did I get that thought? Where did I get that thought? I mean, you're talking about as simple and as basic as it can be. I mean, this is a no-brainer. Science, biology, two X chromosomes is a girl. An X and a Y is a boy. And I mean, I, I, I just, you don't change that. I mean, that's pretty, duh. And after you're dead and gone, if we can just get this much of some of your bones, we can figure out what chromosome, I mean, we can figure out what you were. Who told, honey, who told you you were a boy? Well, where, who put that thought into your head? God is asking us not so he will know. He's well aware of where that thought came from. He's asking you to ask yourself, who told me this? Church today, God's not losing at hide and seek. God knows the very intention of our heart. God knows the beginning from the end. God is omnipotent. It's unlimited power. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. God is omniscient. He, is no, he knows all things. God is asking this question so you and I will evaluate on a day-to-day basis where am I getting this thought that's producing this emotion, this thought that is producing this action? Where am I getting this? I've been writing this sermon in my head for several weeks now, and I was watching a documentary on TV about catfishing. Now, this quickly got over my head because I've grown up sleeping all night long in the back of a pickup truck running a trot line you will know something about catfishing in Arkansas. I know how to catfish. Whoo, this documentary unraveled on me before the, before the words got off the screen. Okay, for all those who are 30 and over, this is nap time for you because you don't get none of this. You just, you don't get none of this. I didn't get any of it. And I had to bring in our two youngest staff members, Natalie and Rhett. And I said, okay, teach me about catfishing. But their eyes bugged out. Uh-oh, what's this old man know? I'm like, uh-oh. They just stared at me, and I knew we were into it then. You're talking about a look on their face when I said, okay, you two teach me about catfishing. Well, both of them just sat back, and it got real quiet in the room because they weren't talking. They knew I wasn't talking about treble hook and stink bait. As they got themselves together and beginning to my class I was having with them. They explained catfishing is a social media term for someone who presents themselves as something they are not. A catfish disguises their appearance, disguises who they are, disguises their money, disguises their looks, disguises what they do. Okay, so you are friends And I'm going to talk more about that word in just a minute. You are friends with someone who is a 50-year-old pervert who is presenting himself as a 21-year-old, good-looking, wealthy guy with a hot sports car. You being catfished. 
You right now are being, see, I got some amens over here. All these people are going, so just going back to sleep. This is, I'm not talking to none of y'all, not none of y'all. This, you're out on this sermon. This documentary showed how you could be catfished. And it interviewed girls who had had their lives destroyed, destroyed, raped, beaten, abused, murders were happening. Okay, well, I'm not going to be kidnapped. Okay, but there were some that were just mentally destroyed by a catfish, mentally destroyed. And when exposed, these people were not at all who they said they were. They had disguised themselves. They, they appeared to be harmless sheep, but really they were vicious wolves. Quickly, I had to grab my Bible. I said, we got to preach on this. You know, it's shocking. It's shocking that Jesus addressed catfishing. We're talking a couple of thousand years before this was a deal. And Jesus addresses this. Matthew chapter seven, verse 15. Beware of the false prophets. Who's a false prophet? Somebody who lies, tells you stuff that's not true. Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. That was the documentary I saw. And Jesus spells this out. He spells this out. Now, how do I know if I'm being catfished? If they're disguised, they had a disguise. I didn't know. I didn't know this guy was a predator. I didn't know this person was filling my head full of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And I didn't know that. I didn't know how they, they were disguised. How do I, okay, well, Jesus doesn't leave us there. He goes right on and says, you can identify catfish. You can identify vicious wolves by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Church, we gotta become more aware than ever before. Young people, you're gonna have to live very aware of what's going on in your life. You're gonna have to be very, very aware. You know, there was a time when you knew friends. There, there was a time, and some of you may find this shocking, there was a time that you knew people. You know, there was, you were all went to school together. You knew their parents. You knew their grandparents. You, you did life together. You knew people. Uh, at night, if you weren't at your house, you were over at their house. And their mama was cooking for you and threatening you and yelling at you. And, uh, and y'all go over to your house and your mom would cook for you and threaten y'all and yell at y'all. We lived together. You knew people. Now, I hear young people saying, well, I got 400 friends. Well, I got 1,500 friends. I got three or 4,000 friends. Okay, write this down, young people. You're not friends. So just write down, I don't have any friends. I mean, write that down. Let me, since apparently you don't know what that means, the dictionary says a friend, dictionary, a person whom one knows well. You don't know that person. Oh, yes, we're, we're very close. no. You've never laid eyes on them. You, you don't know that person. You're reading their post. 
And that is an input into your thought that is guiding your thinking, thus guiding your emotions, thus guiding your actions. We're asking today is, who told you that? See, there was a time that you knew people and you knew friends and you had friends. And, and when she would start talking, you kind of roll your eyes because, you know, she was a little, I mean, you know, you just knew her and she was your friend, but you just kind of rolled your eyes when she talked, okay? Just, she's a little out there. Then there were friends that when they talked, you were attentive and listening. Why? Because you knew what they lived. You knew where they lived. You knew how they thought. You knew, you knew the life that they lived. You knew their fruit. See, you knew their fruit. I've known them their entire life. I knew their parents. I knew their parents. I knew them before they got married. See, you, you know people. Today, young people have friends and we're not sure about even the definition of that word, friends. You don't really have any idea who they are or what their age is or what they look like. You sure don't know about their lifestyle and what they're doing and how they're living. Only what they want to say. Whoa, 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 whoa. Matthew 7. There are people out there that are disguised who are really wolves. And you got to be aware and make the distinction and you will know them by the way they act. Come on, I, I, don't, I don't want any of our teenage girls. I don't want any of our teenage girls to, to leave in the middle of the night and go meet this guy by yourself because you are friends for a long time on social media with them. Girls, we got to be smarter than that. Come on, we have to be smarter than that. Wait, who told you that? Who told you that? Church, I'm telling you, I'm doing everything I know to do to fight for the young people in this ministry. I'm doing everything that we know how to possibly do to save our young people. And we're rolling up our sleeves. Young people, come on. You're going to have to beware. You're going to have to wise up in this day and time we're living in. On social media, you can change your picture. I was unaware of this. Natalie and Rhett started explaining to me, you can, change, you, can get on, you can get on this thing, you can change your picture, you can change the tone of your voice, you can change your age, you can disguise. They started explaining to me how you can disguise yourself and I was blown away. There's only one way that you can know somebody. It's by the way they act. It's by the way they act, not by a screenshot. You can't know somebody. I want to ask you, what is the fruit of that person's life that's telling you how to think about your boss, your job, your gender, your school, your worldview? Jesus addresses this. Wolves in sheep clothing. Now, here's a problem, and it's a crisis right now. A person won't listen to a church elder that's been married for 20, 30, 40 years, lived in the same town, paid their bills, worked at the same job for 30 years, they have money in the bank, they have a paid for house, they're living happy, they're living blessed, they're respected in the community, they're volunteering at the church, every time the church is doing something, they're cooking for it, serving, helping, they're in the youth group, they're in the children's church, they're involved in helping, but we won't listen to that, that's called fruit. 
See, that's called fruit. That person's got cars in the carport. It's got four wheelers to ride. That, see, that person has a blessed life, and we call that fruit. They're volunteering. They're at the church. They're helping. They're doing. See, they got, but we won't listen to that person. We're going to listen to somebody on social media who is in your friend group who has no fruit in their life whatsoever, and they personally are very lost and very confused right now in their life. You're receiving input from someone who ha- you're receiving input from someone who has no job, is paying no bills, completely supported by their parents or the government, is not serving in a church, not volunteering in a church, not helping anybody do anything, is having nobody over to their house and feeding them, owns nothing, has nothing, doing nothing, and you're listening to their thoughts. And you're listening to their thoughts about gender, about socialism, about foreign policy. We got, you're listening to them about parents' rights and they, they're not even a parent. We're in this church doing everything we can to keep our young people from being catfished. But young people, you're gonna have to help. You're gonna have to help and do your part. You can't get sucked in to a lifestyle that had never worked for them. It doesn't work. Their lifestyle is not working. They're not happy. They're not living blessed. They're not in peace. Here's a crisis. Here's a crisis. We got a basketball player. We got a football player that's making $20 million a year. And the year after he quits playing, he's bankrupt. The year after he quits playing, he's bankrupt. His marriages are a disaster. His life is a dysfunction. And you're going to listen to his worldview on politics, on marriage, on sexual identity. This person, this guy's a movie star that a year after her last movie, her whole life, she's on drug induced going to sleep, drug induced waking up. Her whole life is one pill after the next, having a nervous breakdown. She's in one therapy center after the next therapy center. Her life is a dysfunction. This guy is a zero in the dad department. The last five women that he's had can't stand to be married to him anymore. His kids can't stand him. And yet you're going to listen to his input? Come on. Come on, where is this generation going? You're going to listen to their input. You will have what that input is producing in their life. Come on. When someone can't run or manage their own personal life, you got to ask a question. Who told me that? You just can't allow yourself to be catfished. You just can't allow. Before I receive one thing from anybody I've got to know, is life working for them? I had a life-defining moment my freshman year in college. And the older I've gotten and the more I've looked back on that moment, it, it, it could have been one of the biggest moments of my whole life because it turned my life around. I was a freshman in college, 17 years old, just went to college from a country, rural, dirt road area. And I walk into my philosophy class and I sit down to a professor who has a number of those letters in front and behind his name. 
lots of, lots of degrees, really, really smart. And he sits on the stool and he says his opening remark. I'm kind of there. He says, how do I know an elephant is not really a mouse and a mouse is not really an elephant? Now, I don't raise my hand because I'm from the country, but now, and I don't have a lot of doctorate degrees. Is that a question? Do you want me to wade in here? How do I know? How do I know an elephant is not a mouse and a mouse is not an elephant? How do I know? Well, you could hear a pin drop in this whole classroom. He said, the truth is, there are no elephants and there are no mice. Now, I'm a freshman in college. And, and I, I'm sitting here. And he said, if your whole life, you sat in your mom's lap, she opened the book, and here was a little animal, furry, little bitty ears, long tail. Say elephant, say elephant. Turn the page. Here's a big animal, trunk, big ears. Say mouse. Elephant, mouse. And you had been taught that since you were an infant. Then a mouse would be an elephant and an elephant would be a mouse. How do I know there's really black and white? Because that's a figment of your imagination. There is no black or white. Because if your whole life, when you looked at a black color, your mama would have said white, and you look at a white Crayola, and she says black, then black would be white, and white would be black. Now, I'm a freshman in college. And then, are you ready? Are you ready? The only reason sex out of marriage is wrong is because when you're Little baby, your whole life, don't do that, do this. But had you been told your whole life this is okay, then y'all could be having sex and not be worried about it. The most foolish thing that you were ever taught was sin. That's a figment of imagination. Because if your whole life you had been told that activity is okay, then it would be okay for you. The only reason it's not okay is you were told it's not okay by ignorant people, uneducated people. That's the only reason it's not okay. In fact is, there really are no absolute rights and wrongs in life because those are just things that you were told growing up. There is no elephant, there is no mouse, there's no such thing. And if you want to call it a mouse, if you want to call it an elephant, it's your right to call it whatever you want to. And the only reason you call it what you call it is because that's what you were told to call it. But if you could ever get away from your ignorant parents and your ignorant upbringing and you could ever think a little bit outside the box, then you could understand there is no truth and reality in life, it's just what we have identified it as we're growing up. And so in this class, we're gonna have to redo your thinking because you, you the Holy Spirit 
as I was 17 years old, came all over me sitting in that classroom. I remember just like I'm sitting there today. Came all over me, and I looked. And in the ashtray on the desk was a cigarette that hadn't had but two puffs out of it. And it was burning. In his mouth was a cigarette that he had just lit. And he had it hanging as he was talking. And he started reaching for another one to light. And I just watched him. Trembling, shaking, cigarette here, cigarette there, cigarette trying to light. He, he was such a wreck. I looked out the window and I saw his car. I wouldn't drive that car down the road. You know about a jalopy. I mean, it was a mess. His number of wives was well known around the campus. How many women he had been married to and not a woman could stand to be with the man. And the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and sitting there on that stool was a miserable human being. Lost and life was not working. Not in his home, not in his family, not in his own health, no peace in his life. Nobody could stand him. I saw sitting on that stool a very miserable man. And the Holy Spirit went all over me at 17 years old and I thought sitting there, maybe I don't know the difference in an elephant and a mouse like I thought I did, but here's what I do know. I don't want nothing that you got. I don't want nothing that you're selling. And not anything that you are saying has produced the life that I want. That was a life-defining moment for me. Because from that instant forward in my life, I became a fruit inspector. I became a fruit inspector all the time, everywhere. And nobody, nobody is going to input a thought in my head that is not living the life that I want. Because the thought that you have in your head produces the life that you're living. And maybe at 17, I'm not articulate enough to argue with this guy with all kind of degrees behind his name. But here's what I do know. I don't want nothing that you're selling. That's not anywhere I want to go. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus identifies this very clear for us. Don't be so naive that you're catfished by vicious wolves who are destroying your very life. Is your view on whatever it is producing peace, producing joy? Is your view producing a giving, serving person? Is that view producing someone that volunteers for the nursery, volunteers for children's churches, helping youth group, is down here cooking for this activity or that? the, The view that you have, is that producing anything in life that I want? And if it's not, I got to ask, who told you that? Who told you there were multiple genders? Who who told you? Who told you what marriage was? Who told you that you need to identify and change genders? Don't be catfished by 
disguised wolves. You gotta ask yourself, who told you? The Bible is so relevant, so relevant. I wanna close today with a story from thousands of years ago. As the word of God addresses right where we are today, thousands of years ago, 1 Kings chapter 12, Rehoboam was made king. He was a young man. Future's ahead of him. He gets some advisors together and he listens to these advisors that had served previous administrations, older men that were very wise in their counsel. And they tell him, here's how you live in peace. Here's how you live a success. Here's how you have everybody serving you and following you and admiring you. Verse five, he says, I'll give me three days to think about that. Didn't sound good enough to me. Let me see if I can improve on that. So he calls some younger guys that he grew up with and he gets all of them together and listens to their advice. In verse 13, it says, Rehoboam spoke harshly, harshly, condescending. He spoke harshly as he put down the advice of the older men and he followed the counsel of the young guys around him. It's interesting. The last of chapter 14 tells us Rehoboam, his whole life, he was in constant war. He was in constant conflict. He was in constant battle and died. You read that verse, constant war, constant conflict, constant battle and died. And that sums up his life. He was told how to live in peace, how to live in prosperity, how to live with people serving him. He was told how life would work for him. But no, not gonna listen to any of that. I don't want any advice from people who life is working for them. Let me get some advice of my young buddies around me. And he lived his whole life in constant war. Today, live your life focused on and centered around the second question that God asked mankind. Who told you that? Y'all stand. Lord, today, thank you. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your love for us. Oh, Lord, today, we're going to wise up. We're going to wise up in this generation. Well, we're not going to get caught up by catfish. We're not going to get caught up by those disguised as sheep. We're not going to get caught up by false prophets. But, Lord, we're going to live a life walking in wisdom as we walk in and possess all of the life that you have for us, that we answer the call that's on our life, that we fulfill the purpose that we were created for, and that our life is not a shambled wreck, but our life is a testimony to your blessings and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.